if you can all turn with me to the book of First Timothy, chapter six, verse seventeen to nineteen. Book of First Timothy, chapter six, verse seventeen. what the NIV says in the last verse it says in this way they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take a hold of life that is truly life this morning as I speak I would like to ask that you sit in a prayerful attitude that you pray for me as God speaks that I will be an instrument in his hands. This three verses talks about three different things. It talks about the rich. Paul is telling Timothy to tell the rich, don't base your life upon riches. And then the, second, the next verse, he says, share your riches, do good deeds, so that you may have a foundation in the real life, in the true I remember the day, March twenty uh, second last year. We were in a Saturday night meeting, and then suddenly my father got up from the meeting and he left. He went home, and I got a text on my phone. I was thinking, where is he going? You know, like, uh, and I was wondering, where is he going? And he texts me and he says, "Stay for the meeting, but come home directly after the meeting." And suddenly, I know I'm surprised. What happened? You know, what happened? What's going on? And I call him as soon as the meeting is over. And then he says, hey, Sharon is going into delivery. Uh, come home right away. So this is the first time, you know, I, I, you know, I'm going through this experience or going through this in my life. So I'm so frantic. I get on the freeway. I'm going 70 miles per hour, coming home as soon as I can. I'm thinking, oh, man, what's happening? What's going on? And everything. Suddenly, I, I, we grab everything, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, there is a human being coming out of another human being. Something is coming out. I'm like, oh, my goodness, what's happening? And, you know, like, I'm, I'm driving, and luckily, you know, Winthrop is only two, two uh, you know, five blocks away. So, you know, no emergency delivery in the car or anything. So I'm, we're driving, and then suddenly, like, you know, we get to the emergency room. I'm, I'm, I'm like, Sharon, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you all right? Everything's okay? And then suddenly she stops and turns around. She's like, Shevin, you can't follow me anymore. I'm going to a delivery room. <laughs> and I'm just so thinking, like, what's going on? What's happening? And then she says, you know, go home take care of Jake. And then the next day, we all go to the hospital. My brother-in-law's there. We're all there. And I turn around and I look. I see my nephew. He's holding something in his hand. I'm thinking, what is he holding in his hand? Suddenly, he jumps up in front of everybody and he goes to the baby and he says, baby sister, here, this is for you. Surprise. See, the thing about kids that you have to realize is when they're small, they never want to share. They never want to share. 
So what we tried to do was, as soon as he sees uh, his baby sister, he has to give her a gift so he learns to share. To be honest, I think that was the last time he shared. <laughs> but, but there's a reason why that happened in his life. There's a reason. You know, I'm a, a little bit of a psychological person. I like to see and study and watch and things like that. And I start to recognize there's a reason why he stopped sharing with his sister. He stopped saying surprise to her. He started taking things from her hand whenever she plays with his toys. It's in the, it's in the 17th verse. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. For our enjoyment. See, what happened in his life was that he got so caught up in false enjoyment. He's a child, but then when you start to think about it, he got so caught up enjoying, enjoying his toys that he never got to share it with his sister and got to really experience the real joy. And that's what happens with so many times with us. Happens so many times with us. I'd like to ask you a question. Paul is saying here, don't put your hope or dependence or your trust upon riches, upon wealth of this age. Let me ask you a question. What is the most valuable thing to you? What is the thing that you hold on to so dearly that you will never want to give up? Now think about it and hold it in your hand. I like to tell you if it is money, one day it will turn to dust. If it is a house or a building, one day it will turn to dust. If it is, please don't, please don't get mad if I'm saying this. If it is your wife or your husband, one day he or she will turn to dust. In this world, everything that is there has carbon dating upon it. It has a time where it will start to rust, it will start to corrode, and it will turn to dust. Even your own life, if you hold it dear, this earthly life, it will turn to dust. Your bodies will turn to dust. What is the real valuable and, and good thing that we can hold on to? What is real enjoyment the way that God had intended it? You know, once a, a man and his uh, wife were standing together, the women can say the wife and, this, and the men can say the husband. The man was standing with his wife, the husband was standing with his wife, and he said to his wife, wife, look, look at all the stars and the moon. And suddenly the wife said, what's wrong with your finger? Being a, a nagging wife, or the husband said, what's wrong with your finger? That is kind of like what we do in our life. We look at the small things, and we never realize the greater things. That God has kept for us. The real enjoyment. The true enjoyment. We never access that real enjoyment. Instead, we're looking at the small things. Not recognizing the greater things God has given to us. The greatest thing is not that we are blessed, but that we are becoming a blessing. 
That is the real intention. That's the real way to access joy. If you look at Bill Gates and his wife, even though they're the richest people, one of the richest people in the, in, in the world, what do they do? They take time out of their life to go to Africa and start giving away their wealth. They start feeding children. They start taking up orphans. Orphans. Why? Why? Real enjoyment comes from giving. Real enjoyment comes from sharing. There is a certain thing that God has given us for our enjoyment, but we don't know how to access it. Because what? We're holding on to it so dearly. Well, if you would give it away to somebody else, you would recognize the real and greater joy. Amen. But what is it that we share? You know, one of the, I didn't bring it with me this morning. I was thinking about bringing it. One of the greatest, uh, you know, one thing that I really was blessed from, my, uh, from, from, our, from church was that when I got married, I was going to India, everybody gave me a wedding card. And I had that stack of wedding cards, you know, it's a, it, inside was a gift, it was a check, it may be 50, 100, or 200, or whatever it may be, the amount. I took out all the checks, but I have, the checks are gone, I still have the card though. Okay, but, but, you know, that was something so precious to me. Not the checks. The checks were not so much precious, but the card was so much more precious. If you come to my house, I still have all those cards. I've kept them. And you know what I did? When I was getting married, I took all those cards with me. The checks weren't inside anymore. I took them all with me to India. After we got married, I, I went to, I, the first day I went to my wife's house, I, I said, I got to show you guys something. throw this in there again. I said, I have to show you something. I called her, well, parents, I said, you know, Papa, Mommy, I was just getting used to it, I almost called them Uncle and Auntie. I said, Papa, Mommy, come and sit down. Lois, come and sit down. I got to show you guys something. There's people, there's a whole church that loves you. And I got all the cards and I said, hey, here it is. I said, Lois, before you look at even one, put your hand on it and start praying. Pray for all these people. They love you. It wasn't, she didn't see all the checks. Her dad didn't see all the checks. But he saw all the cards. He saw all the comments that were written in it. The one I got for Finny, Finny Uncle, Finny Joshua Uncle was, who had a huge paragraph in there talking about love and marriage and everything. <laughs> Nothing to be embarrassed about. It's, it's a blessing for me. Because sometimes I read it. When I came back from India, I, I read it again. I read all of them again. What I'm asking you, what is the, the real valuable thing? I want to tell you it was not the checks that you gave me that day. I know everybody got a wedding gift when they got married. It is not the, it's not that thing that's inside the card, but it was the love. It was the fact that you think about that person when you give it to them. It's the fact that you take the time and write a message in there. You want to know what is the most valuable thing in your life? What is the real riches? It is the things that come from God. It is the fruits that are produced by the Spirit of God in you. What is it? 
You know, when mommy was in the hospital, I started thinking about it. And I thought, like, okay, maybe she might pass away or maybe she might die. I was thinking, I'm just being open and frank. I'm very frank and open preacher. I was thinking maybe she, if she passed away, what would happen? I was thinking in my mind, I would lose my only mother. Who else would love me like my mother? And I thought the rarest and the greatest commodity that I have in my life is a person loving me for no reason. Look into your life. What is the rarest commodity that you have? And I will tell you, it is unconditional love. No one will love you like your mother or your father. No one will love you like that. They won't. It is a rare commodity. If you want to know what the true riches in life are, open your Bible to the book of Galatians. And it says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, humility, self-control. These are the blessed things of your life. These are the blessed inheritance of the children of God. It is not a big house. It is not the fancy car. It is that when I come home, it is a home full of the presence and love of God. It is the fact that God has filled my heart with peace. He has given me self-control. I'm not a wild man. These are the true riches that you have. It is not all these things that turn to dust. Just think about it. I think if I had the ability to sell somebody peace, if I could capture it in a, like, like, like this, and I'd be like, here, you got peace now, and they got peace, how many people will come? I think billionaires and millionaires will come looking for some peace. The Bible teaches this, and most of all the religions teach it too, and all the greatest philosophies teach it too. The real things in life are not the things that you see. They are the things that you cannot see, certain spiritual things. I value that too. And I hope that you value it too. The day that you met Jesus Christ and experienced his love that broke your heart, that he would love a sinner like me, a wretched person like me. We all give. Our church is a giving church. But I want you to turn your focus from giving money to giving something else. In India, there's a lot of demon-possessed people. I've seen it. I've seen them being possessed, them coming out. If I threw money at that person, will the demon come out? Never. They only come out when you are a person who is full of the presence of God, who has the grace of God, who has people praying behind him or her. I've seen it. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a terrible thing for certain people. Their life is plagued. Their families is being destroyed. If I threw money at that person, will he have freedom? Or she have freedom? Will they experience love? No. Here Paul talks about sharing. Share. He talks about riches. But I want to say the real riches that you have is the fact of love and of the presence of God. When Moses asked God for something, you know what he said? God, I want to see your face. I want to know you. 
He didn't ask him, give me all the riches, make me the greatest ruler. That's not what he asked. He said, I want to know you. I want to see your face. And you know what God said to him? Exodus, the book of Exodus chapter 33, it says, here is a place nearby me that I have kept for you. I want to say that in Malayalam. Here is a place nearby me. You want to bless somebody, you want to give them something, give them this riches. Give them this. The presence of God. A place nearby God. Bridge the gap. Do some intercession. You know how the church is built? Is it built with money? Absolutely not. Maybe the building. But the true church of God is built by three things. Blood, sweat, and tears. Blood, sweat, and tears. A man crying out to God and saying, God, save my people. Otherwise, take my life away. You want to bless somebody, bless them with your prayers. You want to bless somebody, bless them with some patience and with kindness and mercy. Bless them with your love. Bless them with a hug. I remember I was hearing a testimony of a pastor. Now this pastor was called by a, 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 um, a mother to go and visit her son. He was on a terminal illness. He was going to die. And the pastor goes to visit this man in the hospital. And the man just stares at the pastor. And the pastor says, can I pray for you? And he just kept staring. The man said, can I have a hug? Can you just please give me a hug? Pastor went over and gave a hug and they squeezed each other. And the man started crying. The pastor started crying. His wife started crying. See, the thing was, this man was an atheist. He said, I don't believe in your prayers, but I'll take a hug. But the pastor kept on visiting, kept on visiting. Eventually, this man came closer and closer to Jesus Christ. People don't need necessarily all the time only giving a gift, a physical gift. Sometimes they need love mixed with patience. That you come and visit them, even though you don't see anything. You still come, you still come. How is the kingdom of God built? It is built like this. It is built in this way. If you read the last verse, in this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take a hold of life that is truly life. If you look in India, India is known to have one of the world's oldest churches. The world's oldest, one of the oldest churches is established in India. And they lay a credit to St. Thomas. Now there's many theories and church traditions about how St. Thomas came and where he came. 
I want to tell you about one of these traditions. St. Thomas, when he came, he was brought by a king named King Gondophorus. Now, King Gondophorus was looking, I need someone to build a palace for me. I need a carpenter to come and build a palace for me. So he calls St. Thomas and gives St. Thomas a huge sum of money. And after giving St. Thomas this sum of money, he goes away. And then after a few months, King Gondophorus comes back to St. Thomas and he says, where is my palace? And Thomas looks to him and says, oh king, I have built for you a great palace in heaven. I took all your money and gave it away to the poor. Immediately, the king was furious and angry and threw St. Thomas into jail. The disciple of Jesus or the apostle Thomas threw him into jail. And being in jail, suddenly the king's brother becomes sick. He is near death and he has a vision that he has gone to heaven. Angel is talking to the king's brother and says, which, which mansion do you want? And he sees a large and big mansion. He says, I want that one. He said, no, you cannot have that mansion. That is the mansion that Thomas has built for your brother, King Gondophorus. Suddenly, the king's brother comes back, to, comes back to health, and he goes to his brother, the king Gondophorus, and says, you never told me that you built a palace in heaven and that St. Thomas built it for you. And then suddenly he realized the work that Thomas was doing was real. Now, I don't know if this story is true, I don't know if this is a, just a tradition or if it's just a fable. But certain things that are taught through the story are very real. First of all, that there is a life after death. And there is a place that God is preparing for you. And what are you doing so that it may be built for you? Or what riches are you laying up for yourself in heaven? Are you looking for in the perspective in, of eternity? So many times, you know what we do? We sacrifice the eternal on the altar of the temporal. The thing is that we give away the things that have eternal value for simple temporary things. Here, Paul says, look to the real life. Don't look to this temporary life. You know, when you can really recognize that this life is not the real life, is when you go to certain third world countries. You see people, that life is full of suffering, full of agony. They have nothing. And you think to yourself, can this really be life? Can this really be life? Is this the real life that God made? That life is so short and is full of suffering and pain? Even if you're a Christian, sometimes God leads us through suffering and sometimes our body gives us suffering. Even God says, you will have troubles in this world. The world will come against you. It will persecute you. Is this the true life? It cannot be the real life. It cannot be the true life. This cannot be it. So many people say, there must be something better. There must be something greater. And Paul says it here. No, don't, don't put yourself and your foundation in this world. Think about the eternal life that is to come. This cannot be it. I want to call you to that and tell you. Are you so busy just enjoying this life that you forgot one day you're going to die? We don't have a lot of years, only 70. 
it goes by really fast. Sometimes maybe an accident might come. Sometimes sickness might come. You might die tomorrow. Who knows? I'm not trying to scare anybody. But I'm saying, this cannot be it. This cannot be it. This cannot be the life. That some people suffer, some people have everything, and some people have nothing, and some people are sick all the time. This cannot be the real life. This cannot be the way that God has made it and intended it. No, it is not. No, it's not. And I'm calling you and I'm telling you, put your deposit in heaven. Start making sacrifices for God and his kingdom. Not just text. Not just simply giving money. Give your love. Give your patience. Give your sacrifices. What is the most valuable thing in your life? Sometimes the two mites that you have in your life is not physical coins. It might be your children. It might be the fact of your patience. It might be your time. That you have so little time and the little time that you have, you still give it to God. There is a kingdom that is coming. That is the real life, not this life. It cannot be. It cannot be. This cannot be the real life. Sometimes God is not asking for a sacrifice. I think about Saul sometimes. Saul saved the best cattle. He saved the best goats, the best rams, and he sacrificed them to God. But God said, I have rejected you based on this, your disobedience. Sometimes God not asking for you to support missionaries, but sometimes God asking you to love somebody. Sometimes God asking you to start praying every day. Sometimes God asking you, hey, wake up at 2.30 and pray for this person. Sometimes God asking you for that. I want to close with one last story. I hope you all know the famous Chinese theologian Watchman Nee. He was a pastor. This man was imprisoned for 20 years because he was a pastor preaching the gospel. And you know when he went to jail, he kept preaching in jail. And you know what they did to him? They cut his tongue out of his mouth. Stop preaching. We don't want you to preach in our jail. It's a communist country. We don't believe in God. And they cut out his tongue. You know what he did next? He picked up his hands and said, my hands are for your glory. He started taking a pen and started writing books. You know what they did? They cut off his hands. Then you know what he did? He took the pen, put it in his mouth, and he started writing with his mouth. He started writing books. Whatever I can do, whatever I can give, I will give it. He recognized and he realized, this is not the real life. There is a life to come, and that is the real life. That is for eternity. That is the valuable. I must give my life for that. David asked, Lord, what can I give for all that you have done for me? David started giving his heart to God. He started singing to God from his heart. Sometimes God asking you for a song. Sometimes God asking for you to give your heart wholeheartedly. Give it to him. This is not the real life. This is not the real life. It can't be. Paul says there is a real life that is coming and that is for eternity. Make your foundation there. Put your foundation there. 
I want to ask you to close your eyes with me. God has given you riches. Riches which you cannot hold sometimes. Riches which you cannot see. You are a talented person. Maybe you are talented with love. Maybe you are talented with patience. Maybe you are talented with singing and praising God. Maybe you are talented with the musical abilities. Maybe you are talented with crying, with fasting, with praying. Start giving these things to God. I want to ask you to make a commitment. Some pastors come and say, I want you to make a monthly commitment that you support us with $100. I want you to make a monthly commitment, a weekly commitment, a daily commitment. I will give my time to God. I will give my love to God. I will give my fasting, my food to God. I will give my sleep to God. God has blessed you with riches. But the real riches is not the money. It is the fruits of the spirit. It is the blessings of the grace of God. It is salvation. It is the fact that you have a place next to him, near him, to talk to him. Use it for others. Use it to bless other people's lives with that. Make a commitment. Make a commitment. Make a commitment. Don't simply close your eyes. Make a commitment that every single day of my life, I am going to give X amount of time. Make a commitment. Don't simply sit here with your eyes closed and simply hear my words or ignore my words. Make a daily commitment. Every single day, I will give this much time. I will, I will find one person to give them some love. Find one person that I will pray for every single day. Make a commitment. Don't sit here with your eyes closed simply. Make a commitment. Make a commitment. When you have left this earth, will anyone know that you were here? When you have died and passed away, will anyone know that you were there? Did you, did you make any change? Your life needs to count for the kingdom of God. And dear Lord, Heavenly Father, I thank you for this wonderful time that you have given us. Lord, you have blessed us so richly. The greatest blessing that you have given us is salvation, is your presence. Lord, help us to take the riches of salvation, the riches that we get from grace, the riches of your promises, the riches of your presence, and to give them to other people. Help us to build your kingdom, not with physical things, but with spiritual things with eternal things. Father, Lord, I, I pray for your people and I bless them in the name of Jesus Christ. Now may the grace follow the word and enable and strengthen and equip your people to do it, Father. We bless you in the name and blood of Jesus Christ, we pray.